Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I'm Ben. I'm Craig. And I'm Derek. This week, is automating your own job unethical? The only way to stop WannaCry and an intelligent voice assistant from Samsung. Without further ado, let's get started. So Ben, what do you got this week? I saw this particular posting on Stack Exchange in a couple of places uh, over the last few weeks. It was posted in my Slack at work by somebody, and then I've seen it on various um, sites like Reddit at near the top of forum boards and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Derek actually mentioned wanting to bring this topic as well. Uh, but someone posted on the workplace uh, section of Stack Exchange, which is just a forum uh, question and answer site, um, the title, Is it unethical for me to not tell my employer I've automated my job? And the post is fairly short, so I'm just going to read the whole thing and then let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. How does that sound? Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. He says, or she, I actually don't know. This person says... I currently work on a legacy system for a company. The system is really old, and although I was hired as a programmer, my job is pretty much glorified data entry. To summarize, I get a bunch of requirements, which is literally just lots of data for each month of spreadsheets, and I have to configure the system to make it work, which is basically just writing a whole bunch of SQL scripts. It's not quite as simple as that, because whoever wrote the system originally wrote it backwards. And in fact, the analysts who create the spreadsheets actually spend a fair bit of time verifying my work because the process is so tedious that it's easy to make a mistake. As you can guess, it's pretty much the most boring job ever. However, it's a full-time job with decent pay, and I work remotely so I can stay home with my son. So, I've been doing it for about 18 months, and in that time, I've basically figured out all the traps to the point where I've actually written a program, which for the past six months has just been doing the whole thing for me. (laughs) So, what used to take the last guy a month now takes maybe 10 minutes to clean the spreadsheet and run through the program. Now, the problem is... I I just wanna pause there and say that's like one of the most satisfying things to read ever. Like, ah, that just makes me so happy. (laughs) Now, the problem is, do I tell them? If I tell them, they will probably just take the program and get rid of me. This isn't like a company with tons of IT work. They have a legacy system where they keep all their customer data since forever, and they just need someone to maintain it. At the same time, it doesn't feel like I'm doing the right thing. I mean, right now, once I get the specs, I run it through my program, then every week or so, I tell them I've completed some part of it and get them to test it. I even insert a few bugs here and there to make it look like it's been generated by a human. Oh, gosh. There might be amendments to the spec and corresponding through email, etc. But overall, I spend probably one to two hours per week of my job on my job for which I am getting a full-time wage. I really enjoy the free time, but would it be unethical to continue with this arrangement without mentioning anything? It's not like I'm cheating the company. The company has never indicated they're dissatisfied with my performance and, in fact, are getting exactly what they want from employing me. End post. Oh, boy. So, there's at least... So, there's two ways of... of there, there, there are pretty much two um, opinions going down the post that I see is that there's uh, the crowd that would say what the company is hiring you for is for the the data collection for the for the actual categorization categorization of the stuff um and there's others that would say well they're they're hiring you expecting that you're working this amount of time on your task and so if you take one one opinion of it um which is they're they're hiring you for the time you're taking on the task it's that um then that is unethical because you are spending far less time on your task than you ought. But um, if you go with the, they're hiring strictly. They're hiring you for the fact that 
you enter this data and get it sorted, then you are in fact doing your job and it's not unethical. I don't really know where to go from there because it's kind of hard to say which one's which. Um, it seems a bit on the uh, deceitful side, but I don't have very many organized thoughts on the topic. But it's really fun is to play with. Is it not deceitful? Is it, I guess, it, does it matter how, the, how they're being paid? As in, I'm assuming they're being paid a certain number of hours per week rather than being paid per task. Yeah, it's a full-time job, he said. If he's being paid 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, and he's literally only taking 10 minutes, maybe half an hour, once he introduces some extra bugs to make it look like um, it's not a perfect solution or whatever, um, <laughs> then that to me seems, it does seem unethical if that's the sort of root of the question that Ben was asking. Um, but I I, th I don't think the sort of assumption he or she, sorry, we don't know uh, who he or she is making that um, if they tell the employer that the employer will just turn around and say, well, great, we don't need you anymore. Uh, I think it, it's, uh, if I was in that situation, I'd probably tell the employer and I would hope that they would see the benefits of what's been created, of the, the system that's been um, made more efficient and think about where else can we implement that in, into what we do or, or those skills into what we do. Um, and that way you're being honest and you're also then using those skills to further the company's goals rather than sort of resting on your laurels and mm -hmm. pretending you're working all week when you're really only working for a little bit of it. I think I see three issues. Um, one is stealing. Unfortunately, um, we aren't, at least most jobs, and may maybe this person's job is different, but I know from my own job that we aren't paid for the tasks that we do, but instead for the hours that we work. Mm -hmm. um, and so even in like a salaried position, you're expected to work 40 hours a week. Like that's a very clear and communicated expectation in at least the vast majority of jobs. Um, and so if you're only working one to two hours a week when you're supposed to be working 40 hours and you're getting paid for working 40 hours, you're stealing from the company. I think the second issue is lying, or at minimum, deceit, which Derek mentioned. Uh, it's not enough that you're, you've automated your own job, but now you're actually making it look like you haven't automated your own job intentionally, mm -hmm. because you're afraid, whether this is true or not, you're afraid that if you get caught, you'll be in trouble, and so you're trying to not get caught. So I, I would think that the root there, we would say, is some form of lying or deceitfulness. And then I think the third thing is, and I don't know if this person's a Christian or not, um, but the conscience issue. Um, Paul says anything that doesn't proceed from faith is sin. And so there's this concept we get of sinning against your own conscience that, uh, one Christian in one position, it might not be a sin, but a different Christian in the same position, it might be a sin depending on whether or not it proceeds from faith. So if your conscience accuses you, that can be sinful depending on you and the situation you're in. Even if there's not an explicit command not to do something or to do something that you failed to do. Uh, and so if this person is a Christian, uh, or if like if it were me asking the question, I would think me even asking the question indicates that I'm probably sinning against my conscience. Maybe not necessarily, but it certainly would be a big red flag. Mm -hmm. So for those three reasons, if it were me, I don't think I could do it. Yeah, yeah. And if I if I had to pick one, like right now, I would lean towards this is unethical, and you should tell your employer what's going on and see if they have other problems for you to solve. I mean, as an employer, if they're smart, I would 
I would find some other problem to throw this person at because they're clearly resourceful and they should, right. you know, they're a valuable resource to do other things that I'm sure are far more interesting than data entry. Um, so, but I mean, so <laughs> the decision right now that he's making of not telling them is a decision based out of fear, which is not healthy right. either, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah. And I think... Someone with those skills is going to be useful in such a wide range of um, of companies anyway. So, I just think, mm-hmm. you know, even if this company doesn't end up being one that does keep him on or him or her on indefinitely, um, you know, even if this went the way of the person's fears, it, it's not the end of the world. And that's easy to say when it's not my job that's potentially on the line. But do you know what I mean? Like, I think you're right. I think both of you are right. I think at the at the base level, there are too many sort of dodgy, unethical things happening and therefore he do- he or she does need to tell the people that he's working for what's what's going on. But then whatever the outcome of that is, I don't I don't necessarily think it's as grim as as maybe they're thinking it could be because I think that those skills of automating, you know, a month long process into such a short period of time, that's likely to be useful in a lot of places. I can definitely understand the fear of not wanting to lose your own job. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think that justifies sin though, right? And so right. I don't if the question is ethical, you know, and, and we certainly have spoken almost exclusively to this person's specific case by case situation. Um, but if we wanted to generalize to is it unethical for me to secretly automate my job, I think the real issue there is secretly, not necessarily automate. Um, so Correct. I can think of, even in my own job, examples where I've automated my job in a positive way that my employer appreciates. Mm-hmm. And I'm a programmer too. Um, so even just today, and my, my, uh, my coworkers and my boss soon will uh, know that I did this. Like, it's not a problem. It's actually desired. I had to um, write some code that was normalizing addresses so that hackers couldn't change a few things about their address, like change street to street, the abbreviation. Mm-hmm. Um, and still get through. We wanted to block both, like assume they're both, uh, if, they've, if we've already blocked one of them. And so one of the things I did was go to the USPS standardization site for all of the possible abbreviations for street names, and then put it in Excel and have Excel generate some code for me that I could paste into the thing. It would have taken me hours to do it all by <laughs> hand. So I'm, I am confident that my boss will be very happy when he finds out that's what I did. Uh-huh. That, that is, I think, a good example of automating your own job. Um, this I think is a very extreme case where you're automating a month worth of work into 10 minutes. I automated maybe a couple hours worth of work into, um, probably a half hour or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's inherently wrong necessarily to automate your own job. I think the secret part is the biggest issue here. Yeah. Our sponsor this week is Missionalware, your reformed theology gift shop. Missionalware designs fun and useful things to broadcast your faith and display your reformed nerdery for the world to see. They've got a lot of great designs with creeds, quotes, and faces of various reformers available for printing across a variety of items, including clothing like those new buttery smooth tri-blend and tri-blend v-neck tees. They've got moleskin journals, drinkware like Yeti tumblers and such, beautiful posters, even cutting boards. And there's much more. Mission Aware has been doing their thing for over six years and have grown an impressive library of designs and items that will appeal to any theologian, whether you've just started discovering our history or whether you've been a theology nerd for years. 
Check them out at missionalware.com to get your lifestyle on mission to the glory of God. And thanks to them for sponsoring our show this week. Craig, what did you bring this week? Uh, yeah, I, I came across, I was actually watching a uh, video podcast of uh, This Week in Tech where they were talking about uh, a whole range of issues, but the issue came up of uh, cybersecurity and WannaCry, some of the stuff that we've talked about uh, not too long ago. I don't know, um, after the WannaCry episode, Alex Humphrey had a whole bunch of clarifications for us, which was really helpful in the Slack. So, uh, if you're interested in this, you might want to look back through episode discussion and check out what he said there. Uh, I don't really want to go into detail on that stuff, but it was just interesting because they were sort of saying, you know, this big sort of problem has happened and we've kind of got past WannaCry now, um, but people are, are sort of now asking the question, how do we prevent this kind of thing happening again? And obviously that's a question that's come up plenty of times before when there's been large-scale attacks. Um, there's an article on Engadget um, that is titled... Uh, the only way to stop another WannaCry is with regulations. Uh, it's necessary to make cybersecurity a priority. Uh, so, uh, I just basically wanted to get you guys' thoughts on the idea of regulating or enforcing cybersecurity from at like an organizational, uh, sorry, at a, at a, like a um, legislative level so the organizations have an imperative that they have to have a certain level of cybersecurity. Uh, New York, from what I understand, have done this. They've already put in place um, regulations that make each company have basically, uh, what do they call it, a chief information security officer. Um, so, financial uh, services companies like banks and things like that in uh, based in New York uh, have to have this person who basically documents and verifies uh, the cybersecurity measures being taken. The interesting thing to me, I guess, is that so much of the internet is about deregulation and not wanting to have to follow other people's sets of rules. Um, people wanting to be able to have freedom in how they build things and how they implement things. Uh, but security is kind of a uh, uh, system-wide or a nationwide or even a global concern. And so, maybe there is warrant for some kind of, you know, um, third party saying, no, this is how it needs to be done. Uh, so, what do you what do you guys think about that? Is it ethical to put in, you know, to enforce regulations? Is it a problem? Uh, you know, do you think people will react well or not? Uh, what can you see as the issues that that might um, get in the way of that happening? You guys remind me of of one thing here. Was WannaCry? Who was behind WannaCry? I think people want to say the Russians. Um, oh, we don't know. Okay. Yeah. But some I, evil person or some yeah. ill-intended person. Yeah. Hackers, hacker. Well, so there was a hack into the NSA, I think into the NSA, where there was a bunch of these exploits kept. And so then this was weaponized for someone else's purpose. I think these yeah. these exploits have been known for a while. And, and of course, Microsoft sent out pa patches for these months before WannaCry mm -hmm. hit. Um, but a lot of people just didn't update their stuff. And to be clear, this article is using WannaCry as an example, not as like... So, WannaCry is in the title, but that's not what it's limited to. It's saying cybersecurity mm -hmm. issues in general, attacks in general. Sure. So, I think the reason I asked is one of the biblical reasons government exists, purposes of government, is to uh, restrain the evildoer, right? Um, yeah. And, and so, I think one form of doing that could be regulating things like this, uh, to, to defend people against things like that, uh, and to catch and persecute people who execute attacks like this. 
Uh, I don't know that it has to be. I'm, I'm curious why they think it's the only way. That really interests me maybe the most. Uh, but I think it's, it's definitely one way. It's because there's no faith in humanity anymore, <laughs> basically. Because <laughs> um, they don't. So the the uh, usually like usually good things come about because the market demands it in a, such a capital in a capitalistic uh, society. And my libertarian bent wants to say, yeah, I would hold off on regulating this stuff uh, until because eventually people are like hospitals are going to see this as like an advantage to promote like, Hey, we keep all of our stuff up to date. So we don't go down when, <laughs> when a, when something hits, you know, but it's clearly not quite a, uh, motivating enough yet. So the, so then the liberal side wants to say, well, no, we, we need to protect people by regulating this stuff. And I, again, I don't have a good answer. <laughs> Yeah, I th I think that's all. Uh, like uh, what Ben said was was good, and I think there'd be a lot of people who sort of side with you, Derek, about um, sort of just holding back at this point in time from going down the regulation path. Mm -hmm. uh, I having said that, I think you know Ben had a point. Maybe this is a good way um, to do it. I guess one of the trouble, one of the problems with that is how do you do that internationally? So it's fine for the state of New York to say companies operating within our jurisdiction are required to do X, Y, Z. Um, when you try and scale that up to the whole of the US or the US and Australia and Britain or, you know, as wide as you want to push it, how do you ensure that all those governments are going to say yes to the same kinds of regulations? Uh, and and the so the government, the role of government is one issue and I think Ben Ben's point about government restricting evil is, is really valid um, in this situation for this application. Uh, two things that I kind of thought of that are sort of uh, opposing each other here uh, one is laziness. So, you know, I, I think to um, the W3C's uh, AAA compliance accessibility yeah. standards, for example. Now, these are good things that help uh, people with disabilities uh, use websites better, uh, you know, navigate the internet more easily and all those kinds of things. Um, but there are a whole I'm sure there are a whole bunch of websites out there that just don't pay attention to the standards that they're supposed to be um, keeping, um, even to the A-level standards, let alone the AAA standards. Um, so I think laziness can, can tend to creep in and we kind of just go, you know what's too hard, we'll deal with it if and when it happens. Um, I think uh, a more Christian way to look at something like this would be uh, how do I love my neighbor well? Uh, you know, if, if I'm a company who's developing software of some kind, uh, if I'm a company that is creating something to be used by the general public, how do I show that I value that person um, or those people? How do I... Uh, protect them where I can. And so I think investing in cybersecurity, uh, if you're a company that produces any kind of um, major product to be used by consumers, is a way of loving neighbor. Uh, so that's, I think it should, it ultimately comes down to like a, I don't want to say a heart issue, but you know, mm -hmm. some kind of conviction in, in the leadership of these, of companies that are creating stuff like this um, in terms of, you know, um, products that people use uh, that may have security. Um, you know, leaks or whatever. If they're not careful, I think yeah, it, it, to to do the right thing by your customers um, is a way of loving neighbor, and I think that's an important way to go. Whether or not it's possible to regulate, I guess we might find out. But interesting one to to keep track of anyway. What did you have, Derek? 
I saw an interesting story this week about Samsung. Uh, Samsung just, I think, released Bixby, which is their smart assistant, um, to the world. Well, to Samsung phones. Um, and when in their labeling the female or male uh, voices for uh, the Bixby for Bixby, um, they have hashtags. So like for the female one, it's chipper, clear, or cheerful, like just describing the voices. And for the male, it says assertive, confident, or clear. Um, and the internet blew up about this, at least for like a day. Just like a, it was one of the smaller like explosions on the internet. Uh, Samsung quickly took these down after the internet got angry at it. But of course the, the, um, the accusations were uh, mainly about sexism. Um, so describing these voices, I presume these are, <laughs> people were angry about these being like generalizations for female or male voices. Like what you, you think female is not assertive, that, that sort of thing. Um, so I thought, I thought this was interesting. I want to hear your guys thoughts on this. Is this uh, an overreaction or is this justified? Um, what are your thoughts? Should Samsung have removed the descriptors? I, the thing that interests me immediately is that the hashtag descriptors cause outrage among a group of people who it seems like should be outraged by the fact that there even are male and female voices. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Like, this is I, a I conversation. I still don't about. understand why we can't escape the gender binary. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Because it's this. Well, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people were really happy about the Bixby name because it's not specifically female or male. So that you, so that it really are. could be, well, yeah, but you don't have the automatically, oh, Bixby is, is a guy or a girl. Um, so you can choose which one you want. So you can, you know, whatever. But then as soon as you hear it speak, you know, that's a female. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So I think they've chosen to, I, I think they've chosen silly descriptors because chipper and cheerful are pretty similar um, and assertive <laughs> and confident are pretty similar. So, and clear also is a clear common denominator. clear is on both of them. Yeah, clear yeah. is a common denominator between the two. So I think if they wanted to avoid some kind of, um, you know, blow up of this kind, they could have easily done that by choosing some more sort of, I don't know, you know, uh, yeah, I don't want to go into two examples of what they could have done. But I think they could have changed the way they sort of came up with those. Do I think it's an overreaction? Yes, uh, because of the fact that, as Ben said, the gender binary is not a debatable issue uh, as much as people try these days. It is actually something that's built into us. As far as I know, when you have a baby, the choice or, or the, you know, the not the choice, the uh, requirement, um, one of the things to put on the birth certificate to, read, to sort of say this is a legitimate, you know, birth that's been documented by the state is are they male or female? Uh, so that is there for a reason. Um, again, that might try and, you know, people might try and change that, but mm -hmm. at least for the moment, uh, because of the facts, um, that, that's the standard male or female. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, if you want to try and generalize male and female as being, some of these descriptors, like, you know, men are generally either assertive or confident or clear and women are either cheerful or clear, then, yeah, you're going to run into issues because there's a lot of assertive women who say, hey, why don't I get that one on my list? Or mm -hmm. there's a lot of cheerful men who say the same. 
So that's probably fraught with danger, but overall it's probably an overreaction because, you know, just ignore it. Just pick male or female. I, I think that the descriptions assuming that there are normative personality types uh, mm-hmm. respective to each gender, it, that probably is problematic. That's not why people are outraged. Um, because I, I don't think to be a, uh, a godly Christian woman, you have to have a certain personality type. Or to be a godly Christian man, you have to have a certain personality type. I, I think that's probably not really helpful. Um but I don't think that's why people were outraged. I, I, th- I think that is why people were outraged, like, because it suggests, like, I, I always try to get in the head of the people who who get outraged over these sorts of things just to make sure, like, I'm not, like, jumping to conclusions about something. I think it really is about, like, assuming that this is a generalization of all of, uh, like, a generalization that exists for female or male, um, or... For females and males in a primarily male-controlled environment. Um, so, like, you don't see a female as assertive or confident. Like, like. Um, so, I think that is why people were pushing back on this. Um, and I don't... even Even if that wasn't their intent, like... You can have a female voice that is more on the assertive side or more on the chipper side, like, and same with the male. Um, I, I don't know if this would have been as much of a problem if they had more than one um, female and male voice. Hmm. You know what Interesting I mean? Interesting thought. Yeah, that's true. It, so if they had a more assertive female voice, that, that you know, yeah. then the descriptors are like, then of course you need descriptors to be able to tell them apart. Um, but here it's just female and male. Why the descriptors? But, but even then, they're not saying, they're not saying in choosing our female or male voice with these descriptors, um, we, you are recognizing that all women are these three and all men are these three. What they're saying is we've created two voices and we think these words describe them. That doesn't necessarily have to be a projection of, their view of those genders onto every other person represented by that gender. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's more of what I was trying to say. Mm -hmm. I think of like, and and I don't think this will be controversial among the three of us. Maybe it will be among some of our listeners. I'm not really sure. Um, But I was thinking of like 1 Peter 3 when it talks about how godly women are to adorn themselves with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And I think people have wrongly taken that to mean, okay, if I'm going to be a godly woman, I have to be an introvert. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, no, 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 You can be, you can have a gentle and quiet spirit as an extrovert. You, you totally can do that. So I, I, just the, the sort of weird stereotypes, not the right word, but, but just the assumption that the female personality must be normative. Yeah. I, I'm, mm. not, I'm just not sure that's helpful. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting thing. I, I don't know. I so I agree that these were prob these were the reason Samsung probably shipped this was because it was probably descriptive of the voices. I don't have a Samsung phone because I'm not crazy, so I can't uh, I can't test these voices. <laughs> um, <laughs> but plus one. <laughs> but uh, I'm guessing like these do actually describe those particular styles of voices at you know pretty well, which is but. I would have probably caved to like, it's just not worth a, a, it's not worth dying on that hill, you know? So 
Anyway, that's all for my topic this week. Well, if you would like to connect with us, you can do so by jumping in our Slack team. Sign up at slack.techreformation.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, at Tech Reformation. And if you can take some time out of your day to recommend us to a friend or review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be fantastic because our podcast gets around via word of mouth and other, otherwise we don't get into new ears. This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. And I ain't looking back. No, no, I ain't looking back. No, no, I ain't looking back. No, 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 I ain't looking back. I made my choice and I ain't looking back.